bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. It's a joy sharing God's word with you. We have a very exciting topic this morning, and I trust that God will speak through me, that not only will you be blessed of the Lord, but the conviction of the Lord will fall upon us as well. My topic this morning is simply directed towards ministers of the Word of God. Men of God, though blessed of God, have grave responsibilities upon their lives and upon their ministries. Not only are they to be living epistles, read and known of all men, but their work is demanding that to feed the flock, protect the flock, and even mature the flock. But one of the grave responsibilities that are being omitted today in our modern day church is that ministers are called of God to reproduce after their own kind. And what I simply believe, what God is saying to you and I this morning, and more so to ministers, is that the fivefold ministers must reproduce after their own kind. Apostles should reproduce apostles. Prophets should reproduce prophets. Evangelists are meant to reproduce evangelists. Pastors should reproduce pastors, and teachers should reproduce teachers. This is a grave responsibility that many men of God are not living up to. And we need to address this for the simple reason more ministers involved in the work of God, the greater the influence that we will have in this world. Now, how do we go about reproducing after our own kind of ministry? Well, we implant knowledge, vision, and we impart an impartation. This is the threefold cord that the major prophet must bind in the spirit of the minor prophet. This is the threefold cord of spiritual truth that the mentor, the coach, must plant in the spirit of his protege. Listen to the word of God. Hosea 4.6 My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Listen to the word. Proverbs 29 verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Another virgin says, where there is no revelation. And using the word vision and revelation, it simply means to unveil, disclosure. It means to look beyond the natural. Listen to the word of God. Zechariah 4, 6. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of God. Amen. This is the threefold cord that the minister has to implant into the spirit of his protégés. Now, concerning vision and knowledge, some may see it important that we define it as such. 
In this case, I would rather consider what the Spirit is saying. There's no need for us to go to an English dictionary to define knowledge and vision or even impartation. Let us convey what I believe the Spirit has said to me concerning knowledge and vision. To me, knowledge, true knowledge, spiritual knowledge, is having the mind of God. To me, true vision is having not natural sight, not human sight, but having spiritual insight, meaning having the sight of God. Knowledge is just not knowing the facts, the history, the event. You can have all knowledge, but without the mind of God, what have we really got? The vision is revelation. It is, it is having the ability to look beyond that which is normal. Like I said, it's having God's eyes. Let me give you an acronym for vision. V-I-S-I-O. N. Vision inspires spiritual insights over normality. Let me repeat myself. Vision inspires spiritual insights over normality. You see, vision, like I said, is not having a human view. It's having God's view. It's not having human insight, but having the insight of God. It's having the wisdom of God. Amen. It's seen where no man can see. It's seen only what God can see. It's looking beyond the mundane. Amen. It's seen heavenly things as such. Now, I said that. The acronym is Vision Inspires Spiritual Insights Over Normality. The word normality is very important. It, speak of, it speaks of orderliness. It speaks of familiarity. It speaks of routine. It speaks of being regular. Now, vision does away with all that. It gives you the eyesight of God. It gives you the ability to see what God is seeing way beyond time. Amen. Vision is not ordinary. It is extraordinary. Vision is not natural. Vision is spiritual. Now, how does the major prophet raise up the minor prophet to his level and beyond? Now, note what I'm saying. To his level and beyond. How does the, the mentor raise up his protege to his level of ministry and even beyond his level of ministry? Once again, note beyond. First and foremost, he has to wait upon God, pray and seek the face of the Lord, the way Jesus chose his apostles. Jesus spent a whole night in prayer, and then he chose his, his, chose his apostles. I think we pray and seek God's face, because God tells us on whom he has laid his hand upon. Amen? Someone said prayer is not prayer until you hear from God. And I believe that. We speak, and God speaks. After God speaks to our inner man, we check out whether... It is really God speaking and declaring 
by asking ourselves the following. Is he or she a faithful tither? God will not let a cheat and a robber be a leader in his church. That's why you find many churches, many churches suffer financially because they have people on their leadership who are not giving to the work of God. Number two, is she, he faithful in church attendance? Number three, have they got a servant's heart? Do they love serving God's people and not just the pastor? Though like Joshua and Elisha, they should honor and serve their pastor. Four, they should not be a novice here today and gone tomorrow. Now, two very important truths when raising up leaders to replace us for the present and future generation. Remember this, that's the two more added truths. We do not look for perfection in the man or the woman. Rather, we look at the potential within the man and the woman that leads to perfection. There are never ever perfect people in your church. Never ever. And if you and I as ministers look for perfect people, sad, we won't find anyone. God is working in on their lives. Amen. Now, remember, this is very important. This is the second truth. Remember, Moses was told by God to anoint Joshua. Remember, Elijah was told by God to anoint Elijah. We've got to hear from God concerning appointing people for, as future ministers. Just look at these protégés' names. That is Joshua, who was the protégé of Moses, and Elijah, who was the protégé of Elijah. Joshua means a savior, a rescuer. Elijah speaks of God's way of salvation. And within your church circle, men of God, I want to say that there are characteristics in certain people that stand out. There are certain people that stand head and shoulders above the rest for the simple reason they have spiritual characteristics within them that are plain to see. And you know, when you consider the name Joshua, uh, some that was, uh, someone that was a rescuer, someone that was a savior, you will find certain people in your church that are always helping others, that are always doing good deeds, that are always kind and helpful. God's hand is upon that young man. God's hand is upon that young woman. People who are helpful, in most cases, 99.999 are men and women called of God. Amen. Then also, if you look at the other man of God, uh, Elijah, Elisha. Amen. Elijah anointed Elisha. Elisha means God's way of salvation within your church, within your church. There are those men and those women whose whole life is there showing people the way of God's salvation. They're always witnessing. They're always talking about the Lord. They're never ever gossiping about Tom, Dick, and Harry. They're only doing the work of Peter, James, and John. They're always telling people about Jesus. They're always pointing people to the Lord. And I'm saying this, people that testify, people that are not slow to speak of the goodness of God, God has got His hand upon them. Look for those people in your church man men of God we are called to train up people to take our place
Now, whenever you call and appoint people, it, it will at first no doubt cause jealousy and even strife. But at the end of the day, because you sought God, you heard from God, God will honor you and God's choice. Let us turn to our scripture reading this morning. And I trust that the introduction has challenged you. The scripture reading is taken from 2 Kings chapter 2, 1 to 15. Amen. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord that sent me to Bethel. Elijah said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold he your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elijah, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee here. For the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they two still went on, and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of, took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elijah went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elijah. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word. 
There are two principal characters in the portion of scripture that I've read. And that is Elijah, which means Jehovah is God. Remember that one of the crowning glorious miracles that were performed by Elijah is when God proved to all of Israel that Jehovah was the only one true God of the Israelites. Remember, he challenged the false prophets and he said, the God that answers with fire, he is God. Elijah, like I said earlier on, means God's way of salvation. Elijah had come to the end of his ministry road. His journey of ministry was over. He had run his race and henceforth a crown of glory awaited him. He was now called to higher service, but there was one more major task that he had to perform, and that was to pass his mantle to his protege, his servant, and that being Elisha. One more task, and that to bring his servant to his level and beyond. No more a minor prophet was Elisha to be, but like him, Elijah, Elisha was to become a major, major prophet. Now note what I said several times, to his level and beyond. It's important, and this is vital. This is the acid test of whether the major prophet had truly heard from God. Was the protege really God's future servant? Let me say this, here is the acid test. Those that you raise up in the ministry, those that God pinpoint out to you, those that God shows that he has his hand upon their life. If you train them, if you mature them, if you impart the knowledge, the vision, and the impartation of the anointing, then those men, those women must outgrow you. They must have a greater knowledge, a greater vision, and a greater anointing of you. No wonder the young man said it and asked for it. He says, I want a double portion of your spirit, simply meaning he wanted a double anointing of the spirit of God that was upon the major prophet. Amen. The minor must outgrow the major. His knowledge must be greater, his visions greater, and his anointing greater. Let me qualify what I've just said. Elijah had asked for a double portion that was upon Elijah. I have a Dakes Bible, an outstanding Bible. And Jennings Dakes says that Elijah, Jehovah is God, performed 16 miracles. And then he teaches and he cites all these miracles, the 16 miracles of Elijah, and then he cites 32 miracles that Elisha performed, an exact double portion of the anointing which was upon Elijah. 16 and 32. And do you know, up to his death, he had only performed 31 miracles. 
But when they took the man that were buried and threw him in the cave where Elisha was buried, when that dead man touched the bones of the dead servant of God, Elisha, that dead man came to life. 32 miracles. This to me is the ultimate evidence that when we raise up men for the ministry and they outgrow us, it tells us that we heard from God and that we chose the right man on whom God had laid his hand upon. If your sons don't outgrow you, if the woman in your church that you set apart for ministry, if they don't outgrow you, then I'm saying this to you, my pastor, my apostle, my prophet, my teacher, my evangelist, you chose the wrong person. You've got to teach those on whom there is a double portion of your spirit. Oh, you might say that's not always the case. Yes, that might not always be the case. But you know what God said to Joshua? You know what God said to Joshua? As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. My God, I'm talking about an anointing. An anointing that is similar to the major that the minor would have. Praise God. Your sons in the Lord must outgrow you. Hallelujah. Now, let us consider how Elijah goes about instilling knowledge, vision, and the anointing to the minor prophet. First and foremost, they go on a physical journey. And I'm saying this to you, dear pastor, dear apostle, men of God. You've got to take your protégés with you. You've got to take them into your inner chamber. You're going to take them where no man go. You hear what I'm saying. You hear what I'm saying. Jesus says that sets the classic example. He had thousands that followed him. But from the thousand, he had a 70, and he had a 12, and he had a 3. He had an outer circle. He had an inner circle, and he had the innermost circle. Where you concerned man of God, you might have a large and a massive congregation. Speaking of an outer circle, you might have your leadership, which speaks of your inner circle. But let me say this, your sons and your protégés, they must belong to your inner circle. They go where no man go. Not even the outer circle, not even the inner circle can go. Let me give you the example. Peter, James, and John were part of the innermost circle. They went where no man went. They went into the house of the man whose daughter was dead. They went with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration. They went beyond uh, uh, where others could not go. They went with Jesus into the Garden of Gethsemane and there were stones throw from where Jesus was praying. The others were way back. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? Those that are going to succeed you in leadership, you take them wherever you go. And I want to say something to, to you apostolic prophetical men. You're going to stop what you're doing. 
you are partnering with this apostle, that apostle, that prophet, uh, uh, that man from America, that man from England, and you bypass your own people. Let me say your apostolic team is not with other men of God. Your apostolic team that you are raising and should raise should come from your local church. Take your protégés with you. Take them where no man can go. Take them into your inner chamber. Take them into your heart and into your life. Unveil yourself before them. Let you be as an open book before them that they might see what a man of God should be like. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Yes. You've got to take them on a physical journey. And my brother, when you take them on to this physical journey, it's not just that you are giving them uh, uh, exercise, physical exercise. You are imparting spiritual truth as you move with them. Glory be to God. Let me iterate the places where they went on to this physical journey. Number one, the journey starts from Gilgal. Very important. The journey must have a start. Then they move on to Bethel. Then they move on to Jericho. And finally they cross the Jordan. The journey though physical is more than a physical journey. It is a spiritual awakening. Because those who hunger and yearn after God after God, they might be immature, but as you open yourself to them as an open book, and as they journey with you, they will not only see the physical, they will see the spiritual as well, because God will quicken them and their understanding through your ministry and your testimony. This physical and spiritual awakening that imparts knowledge and vision to Elijah is what we need today in our modern church. Now notice, this is very, very, very vital. It's very important. I believe that though God will speak, though you would act upon what God has said to you, though you will choose and set the men apart, let me say this. As you go on this physical journey, as much as you there are to encourage, you are also there to discourage. In other words, you got to do that which exactly Elijah had done. As much as he saw the faithfulness of the young man who poured water on his hands, who ministered unto him, in some way he had to test this young man. And by the way, the young man had come to the understanding that God was calling his master home. And he was after that which he needed for him to continue in the ministry as a future minister. And when his master tried to discourage him three times and said, you stay here. I've got to go to where? To Bethel. I've got to go to Jericho. Uh, I've got to go to Jericho. I've got to go to Jordan. Each time he discouraged the young man of God and said, stay here. The young man said in turn, as God lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. I will go where you go. I will not let go of you. Let me say this. 
Sometimes you might encourage or discourage the protege, but when he clings onto you and hangs onto you and says, no matter what you say or do, I will not leave you because that which you got is that which I need for the work of God to continue when you go away. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Wait here at Gilgal. Wait here at Bethel. Wait here at Jericho. Three times. Three times. What was he up to? What was he up to? Listen to me, man of God. Remember, I spoke about a threefold accord that every young man needs in order to fulfill his call. And that is, he needs the knot tied to him, the knot of knowledge, the knot of vision, and the knot of the anointing. And these three times when he said, stay here, don't go with me. He was in some way, peculiar way, trying to untie that which God wanted to tie to the young man. But oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. This young man knew of the call of God in his life and the responsibilities thereof concerning the call. And he said, as, as the Lord lives and as thy soul lives, I will not leave you. He made sure that the knot was tied three times tight. <laughs> Elijah said, stay three times. He said, no, three times. Where you go, I go. My Bible speaks of a three-folded cord that cannot be broken. Oh, it says, it says that it can never, never, ever be broken. We have a grave responsibility, men of God. We have a major responsibility. Yes, we have to feed the flock. Yes, we have to protect the flock. Yes, we have to lead the flock to pastures green where streams of living water flow. We have to protect them from the enemy. We've got to make sure that none of them are lost. But let us not forget the other grave responsibility. There's coming a day when God will call you home. There's coming a time when God will say your race is over, that henceforth there's a crown awaiting you. You have a responsibility to raise up men after your own kind, after your own call. I'm asking you, my friend. I'm asking you, man of God. I'm asking you, apostle. I'm asking you, prophet. I'm asking you, evangelist. I'm asking you, pastor. I'm asking you, teacher. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Week after week, you do all the preaching. In some churches, my Lord, man, they, they, they worship, lead, they take up the offering, they do the communion and preaching, and they do the benediction. They do everything. No, God wants you to raise up men, to stand in your shoes while you are living. And if you do that job properly, even when you are not there, if you have to go somewhere or perhaps you 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 you, you on an emergency ministry, when that protege stands there, my God, it will be as if you are standing there. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God said, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you, Joshua. My friend, this is a two-part series that I'm ministering this morning. There's one more part, and I'm going to show you how that going from these places on the physical journey from Gilgal 
to Bethel, to, to Jericho, to Jordan, how that he imparts the knowledge, how he imparts the vision. And though that be true, though there is an impartation that comes from the man of God, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by the might of your knowledge that you impart. It's not by the power of your vision. It's by, but by the anointing of the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God doesn't anoint the knowledge and doesn't avoid the, anoint the vision, then our whole exercise is futile. But you know what? You know what? The time has come for you to push your sons forward. The time has come for the church to stop guessing who is going to take your place if something drastic happens or if God calls you home. You know, some churches, when the minister dies or something goes wrong, you know, nine times out of ten, the church crumbles because they fight over the leadership. They fight over the leadership. In some denominations, they have a call system. Men are not reproduced in the local church. They are called from outside, and it just causes havoc. I'm here to tell you, man of God, God has called you <coughs> to reproduce after your own kind. You know, and I say this humbly, I say it without pride. And, and by the way, being humble is not being pious. What is it to be humble? Humility is just having a true estimate of yourself. I go home and I can't point you to one church building that I built. I can't, I can't, I can't. But I can take you to my sons who I trained and called and appointed into ministry. They have built buildings. Their ministry has overtaken my ministry. Some of them are more well known than what I am known. I'm here to tell you, man of God, our life has grave responsibilities. Don't just lose yourself in leading the flock to the green pastures. Don't just lose yourself in, in showering them with the life of God's spirit, the water of God. Raise them up to your level. Raise them up to your level. You should not be indispensable. <laughs> you know, if you're doing your work and raising men after your own kind, <laughs> you can be replaced in the flesh. No wonder Joshua could replace Moses. No wonder, hmm? no wonder Elijah could replace Elijah. God bless you. I'm going to show you how that knowledge and vision is imparted in the next part of this teaching. I want to pray with you now. Oh God, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you for this word. We lift up the ministers, the fivefold ministers, God. And God, there is this grave responsibilities that they carry, oh God. And yet so many, oh God, Oh, they're networking with this one and that one and 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 this one and that one. But God, they're not raising up their sons. 
They're not raising up their sons. And God, on the other hand, there are those that are raising up sons. But God, they subdue them. They keep them down. They keep them down. They don't release them beyond themselves. God, what greater joy does a father and a mother have when they see their children go beyond them? Hallelujah. What a joy. I look to your land, O oh Lord. I look to, to Michelle. I look to Evelyn. And Father, I see them way beyond me. They've achieved greater things than me. And it tells Mrs. D and myself that the hand of God was upon us because our children have outgrown us. They've gone beyond us. God, let this also happen in ministries, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual as well. I pray your blessing upon this word. I seal this word. I pray the blood of Jesus Christ upon that which I've said this morning. And I release, oh God, knowledge, oh God. I release, I release a vision. I release an impartation of the anointing upon all of those who hear God's word. And I pray it in Jesus' name. God bless. And we will conclude this teaching with the next video. God bless you. Amen.